to our study of 1 Kings. We are in 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 8 to 28 today. We'll be looking at the reigns of three men, Elah, Zimri, and Omri. And the reigns of these men consist of some pretty bleak days in the history of Israel. But there's much here for us to learn as well. So 1 Kings chapter 16, beginning in verse 8, it says, In the 26th year of Asa, king of Judah... Elah, the son of Basha, began to reign over Israel in Tirzah, and he reigned two years. So Elah is the son of Basha, and there are two things that it will be helpful for us to remember about Basha, because they're going to come up here in this story today as well. The first one is that the way Basha became king in chapter 15 is he conspired against the current king. At that time, it was a man named Nadab. He conspired against Nadab and put him to death. And then Basha destroyed all the house of Jeroboam. Nadab was descendant of Jeroboam who had been the first king of Israel when Israel split off from Judah. And so Basha conspired against Nadab and put him to death. And then Basha destroyed all the house of Jeroboam. In chapter 15, uh, verse 29, it says, As soon as he was king, he killed all the house of Jeroboam. He left of the house of Jeroboam, not one that breathed until he had destroyed it. So that's what Basha did. Now, let's see what happens to Elah, Basha's son. Verse 9, it says, But his servant, that is uh, the king's servant, Elah's servant, his servant Zimri, commander of half his chariots, conspired against him, just like Basha, Elah's father, had done against Nadab when Nadab was king. His servant, Zimri, commander of half his chariots, conspired against him. When he was at Tirzah, drinking himself drunk in the house of Arza, who was over the household in Tirzah, Zimri came in and struck him down and killed him in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. So what Basha did to Nadab when Nadab was king, now Zimri does to Basha's son Elah when Elah is king. And there's more uh, connections to Basha, Basha if we keep going. Verse 11, it says, When he began to reign, talking about Zimri, as soon as he had seated himself on his throne, he struck down all the house of Basha. He did not leave him a single male of his relatives or his friends. Thus Zimri destroyed all the house of Basha according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke against Basha by Jehu the prophet, for all the sins of Basha and the sins of Elah his son, which they sinned and which they made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Elah and all that he did are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So Zimri not only conspires against Elah and puts him to death, but he also destroys all the house of Basha. And this was done, it tells us, in accord with the word of the Lord that he spoke against Basha by Jehu the prophet. And we saw that back uh, at the beginning of chapter 16, where Basha... He destroyed all the house of Jeroboam, but then God said to Basha that the same thing was going to happen to Basha's house that happened to Jeroboam's house. His whole house was going to be wiped out because 
Basha was guilty, just like Jeroboam was guilty. Uh, we were told back in chapter 16, verse 2, you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people Israel to sin. That was said to Basha. So Basha had sinned in the same way that Jeroboam sinned. So just as Basha carried out God's judgment against Jeroboam, wiping out his house, so now Basha's house is going to be wiped out. And this time that is carried out by this man, Zimri, who wipes out the house of Basha, including Elah, his son. And that happens, verse 13 says, for all the sins of Basha and the sins of Elah, his son, which they sinned and which they made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. So again, the root problem is idolatry, this rebellion against the Lord, and that brings God's judgment upon the king and upon the king's house. So, uh, in one sense, um, the stories are repeated. This, there's the same disobedience and the same judgment, the same pattern of destruction. That's not surprising, right? Because God doesn't change. And in, when Jeroboam sins and uh, Basha sins in the same way by leading the people to commit idolatry, it's not surprising if God responds with the same kind of judgment. God is faithful. God doesn't change. It's not surprising that we see things uh, happen this way. All right, what about Zimri? What, what kind of reign is he going to have? Verse 15. In the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, Zimri reigned, notice this, seven days in Tirzah. Now the troops were encamped against Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. And the troops who were encamped heard it said, Zimri has conspired and he has killed the king. Therefore, all Israel made Omri, the commander of the army, king over Israel that day in the camp. So Omri went up from Gibbethon and all Israel with him, and they besieged Tirzah. And when Zimri saw that the city was taken, he went into the citadel of the king's house and burned the king's house over him with fire and died because of his sins that he committed, doing evil in the sight of the Lord, walking in the way of Jeroboam, and for his sin which he committed, making Israel to sin. Now, the rest of the acts of Zimri and the conspiracy that he made, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So, Zimri, who has carried out God's judgment against the house of Basha, whether or not Zimri is consciously doing that, we don't know, probably not, just like we saw before that Basha was not trying to carry out God's will. He just wanted to be king, right? But he happened, so to speak, to carry out God's will, um, yet he ended up being judged for his own sin, right? Because he wasn't following God either. Uh, similarly, <clears throat> Zimri carries out this judgment against the house of Basha, but Zimri is not any better. Right? And Zimri also has a problem. He has killed the king and taken the throne, but Zimri doesn't have control of the army. He doesn't have the allegiance of the army. So when the army hears that Zimri has conspired against the king, they appoint Omri as king, and then Omri comes and besieges the city, 
where Zimri is, and Zimri apparently realizes that all is lost, there's no way he can uh, get out of this thing and uh, still be king. Uh, so it says, he went into the citadel, it says, well, when he saw that the city was taken, he went into the citadel of the king's house and burned the king's house over him with fire and died. So he committed suicide. He took his own life, and <clears throat> that cut not only his reign short, obviously, but cut his life short, a reign of only seven days. And it says in verse 19, this was because of his sins that he committed, doing evil in the sight of the Lord, walking in the way of Jeroboam, and for his sin which he committed, making Israel to sin. So even though Zimri's reign was short, Zimri continued the pattern of Jeroboam. He continued the pattern of idolatry. He continued in rebellion against the Lord. So Jeroboam sins, right? His house is wiped out. Basha sins. His house is wiped out. Zimri sins. He takes his own life. And the next king, the third in our study today is a king named, is the king Omri, right? The one that the army appointed as king when they heard that Zimri had conspired against Elah and put him to death. They made Omri king. Omri came and besieged the city. Uh, Zimri took his life, so now Omri's king. So what kind of king is he going to be? Verse 21. Then the people of Israel were divided into two parts. Half of the people followed Tibni, the son of Ganath, to make him king and half followed Omri. So now you've got a division, maybe even a civil war going on inside the nation of Israel. So after Solomon died, because of Solomon's sin, you had the division between north and south, between Judah and Israel. Now you have a division inside of Israel. You have two different factions with two different people they want to be king. Verse 22 says, But the people who followed Omri overcame the people who followed Tibni, the son of Ganath. So Tibni died, and Omri became king. Now, that doesn't describe a war, but it does suggest one, right? If the people who followed Omri overcame the people who followed Tibni, that sounds like there must have been some kind of battle, some kind of war, some kind of siege or something. And Tibni, who some of the people had wanted to be king, he died. How did he die? Did he die in battle? Did he die like Zimri? Did he give up and take his life? We don't know. But there were two different factions, two people that wanted to be king. The nation was divided after already having been divided. And now one of the people who was supposed to be king, uh, who people wanted to be king, is dead. And Omri is the king. This is a mess, right? These are dark days. This is a conflicted nation, a nation um, riddled with sin, with judgment coming from God against king after king, against household after household of these kings. Um, and now the nation is further divided, perhaps has even been at war. It's just a mess. Verse 23, in the 31st year of Asa king of Judah, Omri began to reign over Israel and he reigned for 12 years. Six years he reigned in Tirzah. He bought the hill of Samaria from Shimmer for two, two talents of silver, and he fortified the hill and called the name of the city that he built Samaria, after the name of Shimmer, the owner of the hill. So he established the city of Samaria, right? He bought it, he fortified it, the fortified the hill, named the city Samaria. 
that's where that comes from. Now, here's what we really need to know. Verse 25, Omri did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did more evil than all who were before him. For he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and in the sins that he made Israel to sin, provoking the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger by their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Omri that he did, and the might that he showed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Omri slept with his fathers, and was buried in Samaria, and Ahab his son reigned in his place. Now, uh, notice there in verse... 25 and verse 26, it says that Omri not only did evil, not only did he walk in the way of Jeroboam, that is, continue the idolatry that Jeroboam started and established, but it says that he did more evil than all who were before him. So the wickedness of the current king, of King Omri, is worse even than Jeroboam's, even than Basha's, even than Zimri's. His wickedness, his evil, is even greater, more evil even than Jeroboam. This story of the nation of Israel is starting to feel like the book of Judges. If you've read the book of Judges recently or you're familiar with it, the book of Judges is one of the darkest books in the Bible. It is one of the darkest periods from Israel's history. All kinds of terrible things happen. And one of the refrains that uh, shows up in the book of Judges is something like this. There was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Well, here, clearly we have kings in Israel. But having kings hasn't solved the problem because people are still rebelling against God. And part of the reason why they're rebelling against God is because the kings who are supposed to be leading them to obey God's word and to follow God's way and to keep God's law, those very kings are the ones who are leading the people to sin and specifically leading them into idolatry. So what we are seeing so far in the story of the nation of Israel is how one king after another fails in their charge, fails in their calling, fails to lead the people to the Lord, but instead leads the people away from the Lord, leads the people toward idols, and God does not stand idly by while that happens, but he brings judgment on those who lead his people to worship other gods. Now, we could hope that that was as dark as it would get, but you might have noticed there in verse 28, that the, name, the uh, son of Omri, the next king who's going to reign in Israel, is a king named Ahab. And if you're very familiar with the Old Testament, you probably remember that Ahab is one of the most notorious kings that Israel ever had. And so the story is not turning around just yet. But in the reign of Ahab comes Another well-known figure from the Old Testament, the prophet Elijah. And so we'll get to see how God works through his spokesman, through his prophet Elijah. And of course, all of these stories are reminding us of 
the one true great king and how much we need a good king, how much we need a king who will lead us toward the Lord, who will lead us in true worship. In other words, how much we need Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the king who not only laid down his life so that we might be forgiven of our sin and uh, restored to fellowship with God, but the king who perfectly obeyed God and the king who has enabled us and led us and brought us back into the presence of God and uh, brought us there to worship him and be in fellowship with him. We praise God for his work on our behalf.